Welcome, Redeem family and friends all over the world. And we've already established that all over the world extends basically to Texas. But anyway, we are so excited to be able to get back uh, today. I was uh, out last week and got to hear Kurt's message on Colossians, which really was incredible. He called it content overload. And I, uh, I acknowledge the significance of information that is given and made available to people. And what was interesting to me, Kurt, was the fact that we've had all this content available for this long, and yet the world is still in the crazy state that it's in. And so Kurt uh, shared with us that the content isn't the uh, cure-all, that the need really is to be connected in community to Christ. And so what a great message. I really did appreciate that and felt like uh, God really has called us to see the the uh, significance of truly being connected to him and to others. Well, today we're going to uh, see Paul going to a very difficult place. In fact, I'm just warning people in advance, stay with me the whole time. I'm going to shorten this just to reward you for staying because this is one of the hardest messages preached. When you do the uh, research on this, William Barclay, other theologians says, say that this is the most complicated and difficult passage that Paul has ever written. And so that's the one we're doing today. So good news, bad news. Good news is it's really difficult. It's a lot to unpack. Uh, bad news is that it's really difficult. There's a lot to unpack. But it, it has an amazing relevancy in our life. And Redeem, we're, we're seeking to be a relevant 21st century church where we really do want to bring life to our community. So here, here's the lay of the land. Here's the landscape. Um, Today, we, we have so much opportunity that's been available to us, whether that is like we shared last week through content or opportunity. Uh, it's there, yet the truth of the matter is, is that the division between haves and haves nots is increasing, it's not diminishing. So we're really not making progress. This concept of a utopic society, it seems to just be getting further and further away. It's not becoming more and more real. It's becoming less... Uh, you know, less available. And so we're going to need to learn how to be able to bring something that's meaningful and purposeful. And it's not going to be um, a human concept because if it could have been a human idea, we would have figured it out by now, right? It wouldn't be getting more difficult. It would be getting more real. So again, don't worry that it hasn't happened yet. But look at to the foundational truths that could make it happen because I want to be a part of doing something that creates an amazing life experience for each and every person. That's really what, what I want to be a part of. Paul was a part of that, and he wrote some of these key factors of being able to move in that direction, and yet they're, they're so um, mysterious because of the fact that we don't know how to apply them. And so today I'm going to give those foundational truths. Don't worry about the application. That's actually God's job. But lean into these as a mystery and then look at it and say, what if these things were really lived out? What would it look like? And so I'm just going to go up front and say, it's not going to look like the American dream. So Paul's going to say this. He's already said, Christ in you is the hope of your glory. And then today he's going to say, and by the way, for in him and uh, through him and with him, all the fullness of God will be able to carry you to a whole nother place and you will find a complete life and your life will be so complete that you'll be able to bring change to other people. That's where he's going to go with this. And so I was just thinking of the uh, task at hand. 
So let's say that the American dream isn't so great. I mean, I, I don't even know what the American dream is. When people say, I'm living the American dream, I go, I usually say, well, you might just want to wake up and just come back to reality because you don't have to have a dream life. In fact, the American dream for a lot of people is more like an American nightmare, okay? And so even the dream, if, if you try, apply it to success, the likelihood of us really waking up and having a three-car garage and having everything our, go our way numerically is not so great. And, and I don't even think if you could make that happen, that it brings fulfillment. Here's the truth, that suicide has never been at the uh, peak that it's at right now. And, we're, and when I'm talking suicide, the, one of the number one areas where suicide's happening right now is in our military. And so it's happening with our children in our schools. It has never been more difficult for people to find completeness than it has right now. And I think part of it is that we've given people the wrong expectations of what completeness looks like. And that's what Paul's going to do. He's going to say, you need to ditch that and come back to this other truth. It's very basic, but it's so different than what you're used to. It's a mystery. Therefore, nobody understands it. and They don't lean in because they want the easy thing. So right up front, once again, our friend Paul, who's writing this from prison, is saying, I'm not going to candy coat this. I'm going to hit it straight. You're either going to line up or not. If you do line up, you'll be a change agent and everything will be different. If not, you're going to have to take your chances with the odds of what the world can uh, deliver, and that's probably not so good. I remember years ago, I was uh, mentoring high school athletes. This really has been a love of my life. I've enjoyed being able to invest in young people. And so they were, several of them were saying, yeah, we're going to make it. We're going to make it in the NFL and we're going to make our money. We're going to live that American dream. And it just dawned on me. I said, uh, well, would you help me with the math? I said, how many people are playing in the NFL right now? And they go, lots. And I said, well, no, really, how many is it? I think there's 32 teams, 60 people on the roster, 53 full-time, get a seven, you know, to be on your practice squad. So that's 60. What is that? That's under 2,000 people. And so I said, so under 2,000 people make it in the NFL. And I said, well, then let's just push it out of, what is your percentage of being able to make it? And so I said, let's divide, you know, 2,000 by 330 million people in the United States. So that's not even accounting for the fact that maybe we pull some people from other parts of the world to play in the NFL. And so anyway, we were doing it and we said, it's, it's less than 1%. It was just because my math isn't that great. I don't, I didn't know what it really is. I mean, I know it's 0. 0.00057, all right, if you do the math. So Kurt, I asked Kurt and Caleb there in this room uh, to give me, they said it's somewhere between either like a thousand or five thousandths of a one percent. Let me tell you, it's extremely unlikely that you're going to be able to find success by becoming a professional athlete in the NFL. It's not that it's not possible, uh, but I'm just telling you, if that's what you're aiming at for success, it, it's really, really hard. It's worse than listening to Paul who says, why don't we just redefine success? Why don't we redefine completeness? I'm going to show you what it really is. And that's our message today. So don't look, in, you know, don't look for a, a place or a position in life or status or style uh, to bring you completeness. I'm telling you right up front, it won't. And so then even when you look at it, guess what? The average tenure, how long people last in the NFL, it's about three years. So even if you did arrive, those, those individuals don't make it. And the last I heard is that half of them end up being uh, bankrupt. And so there's something more significant than trying to arrive, is being on the right journey in the first place. Speaking of football, you can remember when I was 18 years old, I had season tickets. I don't hold this against me to the Houston Oilers. Yes, that's when 
Houston had a football team called the Oilers, as not the Texans. And so, yes, I'm in my 60s. How cool is that? Thank you, God, that I've lived this long. But anyway, I am a little bit older. I pull up in my 1968 Chevelle. By the way, it was 10 years old when I had it, so don't make me older than I really am. I pull up for the football game. I'm running late, and I could not find a parking place around the, guess what, Astrodome. Big dome, big circle thing. So I'm driving around. I finally find a spot. I run in and uh, find my seats and all that, and I get in, and i you know, barely making kickoff. Well, then the game's over, and I can't even tell you who won or any of that stuff. This is what I can tell you. If you don't remember where you park at the Houston Astrodome, you're going to be hurting when you look for your car. I got out. I couldn't, I couldn't remember which way I came in. This thing is a big round, like this table in the little Astrodome in the middle. I was looking for a couple hours. I could not find my vehicle. This was before cell phones. It's a long walk home. I don't even know what to do. And then I'm you know, just waiting for all the cars to leave. I have to walk all the way around the Astrodome outside one more time, and there's my little blue 68 Chevelle after everyone's gone. And the reason I really couldn't find it is because I parked on the wrong side. I was looking, you know, in, in just the wrong place, on the wrong side of the dome. Um, people, I'm just suggesting to us that we often are looking for success. We're looking for what's going to meet our needs on the wrong side. The right side, if you're not looking for something that has eternal value, I'm telling you right now, you're looking on the wrong side, and it's not, it's not going to be good. Paul's going to say, I'd rather give my life to seeking and serving an inv invisible God that I know carries truth and love than playing with other stuff. It won't work. So turn with me. We're going to be in uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 23. It's really two full chapters. I'm going to read it in two sections, and we're going to start unpacking this. But I'm warning you from the very beginning, God's going to tell us that you have to frame this by knowing that you are in the world, but you're not of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of it. So it, even when you read this, can you take your, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm in this world, and I'm for it, and I'm going to try to find my sex, success in it. You have to let go of that and say, what does it really mean to be in this world but not of the world? If you'll just put that on as I read it, I think it's going to make more sense. Let's go, Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 9, and I'm going to look from 9 through 15. Reading out of the New American Standard, it says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority, and in him... You were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. What an amazing amount of information. You have three in hymns, you have three with hymns, and you have one through him. And, and even that's kind of weird. It says, and through him, him himself, he did this. 
So we're going to just start unpacking that. First of all, would we look at the three in hymns? For in him all the deity of Christ dwells. We've already looked at that. Jesus wasn't a God. He wasn't a concept. He wasn't a way of life. He wasn't a, a social justice person. He was the invisible God in the flesh, looks like Jesus. That's what it means. And all of God is God. So we have to really believe that before the rest of this starts making sense. And then he's going to say, and in him you have been made complete. And so here's where we often go wrong. What is complete? Is that the best version of myself? Is it success? The completeness here, and I looked all the way back uh, through Scripture because I really want to make sure I get this right. But at the very beginning, it said that God created all the world, and when he completed it, he said it was functioning for the purpose by which he designed it. And then and in here, you're even going to see back in first, I mean in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, where it's talking about him and being made complete in him, that he is the uh, all the fullness of God dwells us, dwells within us, Christ knew the hope of glory. That that portion there of completeness has that same concept. And the Greek word is teleos, in which we get the word intelligent, but it means functioning for the purpose by which you were designed. So he's going to say you have been made complete here. And so this complete now is actually the word that has to do with filled up. It's that play ro that we've talked about before as well. And so it means you're so complete you couldn't be any more full than you already are. So that's how he's made you. He has designed you to be able to live in this world but not to be of it. And he's going to fill you up with himself so that you can. So again, these are concepts. We're going to unpack them to see what that really looks like. And then he's going to uh, tell us in this process that in him we've also uh, been placed into a new covenant relationship through a, a circumcision that's greater than the flesh. So, first of all, if you are in him, can I tell you that being outside of him won't work? That's just principle number one. Whatever you're trying to do to find completeness and purpose in life, if it's outside of Christ, friends, it's going to die outside of Christ. It's not going to have the eternal factor. And I'm, and I'm grateful of that. Let's just know that won't work. So we don't even have to go down that work. I mean, that, that walk. If we're not walking in such a way that has grace, truth, and love in it, then you're, you're on the wrong path. Number two on this being made complete, if you can understand that maybe you were designed to know God and to be able to interact with Him, and that the things that are, that are working against that, then you have an opportunity to bring change to that and to build meaningful relationships with people who get it, then that's the completeness that he's speaking of here. And that's why he even comes in us to do it, not because we couldn't do it on our own, even though we can't, but he's in us because he wants to be with us as we do it, because he's all about relationship. And then number three, this is an amazing thing for me that we need to understand. It says here that we've been uh, circumcised uh, in him. It says, in him you were also circumcised, but listen, with a circumcision made without hands. It's in the removal of the body of the flesh. It's not the fleshly uh, circumcision that connects us to Christ. There's a lot of people who believe in circumcision, uh, and it does not make them godly, right? And you, you, could, you could say, well, I'm being circumcised, so now I'm in. No, the circumcision is this concept that if you don't remove flesh that's working against God, 
then you're not going to be able to truly understand God. So the circumcision was an acknowledgement that flesh is corrupt. That's really what it was. And so what we're being told is that in him we, have, we enter into a new covenant, but he's done the circumcision. He's actually removing ungodly flesh in our life. It has nothing to do with circumcision flesh. It's a, a focus on the flesh. He's removed that desire from us so that we can have a focus on him and the things that are above the flesh. And I'm just, uh, you know, uh, I, I just see a lot of flesh uh, in the world today. And I see really pretty flesh. I mean, I have to admit, and I'm just, you know, full disclosure here, I almost hate Tom Brady. I mean, the guy, oh, I don't know, I think he's 43, I'm not sure. He's as, about as physically handsome. And if you don't think he's handsome, then you're just uh, missing it, because I think he, the way everyone looks at it, the guy's handsome. The guy's got a knockout, family, wife, kids, NFL career. Nobody's been in more Super Bowls, won more Super Bowls. And then even after, if you watch the Super Bowl, and then how he does it on a new team in Tampa. I mean, this it's like, how can the flesh get any better than that? And so I was curious, and I watched the interview with him afterwards. And uh, he was calling out perks to all of his buddies. But you could just see him, you know, he's winking. And the, I mean, he was just really enjoying the moment. But can I tell you, hey, even Tom Brady at some point is not going to be in that moment. And he's not going to have all that stuff going for him. It's all, everything that's of the flesh and everything of the world will decay. So even the best that you can find is really short-lived when you do what? Compare with eternity. So that, that's the mindset we have to begin, you know, begin to really embrace. I don't want to find my place and my purpose in the world. I want to find it above it so that I can bring something of real value to it. That's what Paul's telling us to do. And then he's going to move to the with hymns, and this is where it just flat out gets hard, all right? So he, he says here that, uh, for you have been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through the uh, faith and working of God, who raised him from the dead. And so he says that we were actually uh, buried with Christ. Now this, this is a weird thing for me. I mean, like, so... I was born 2,000 years later, so how does Christ, even if time-wise could work, take me to his burial? I mean, um, this, is, this is why it gets complicated. Hopefully what I'm about to share creates a little bit of understanding. He then goes on, he says, oh, by the way, because you were buried with him, you also had all of your sins removed because he took all of your sins, our sins, to the cross. And, and so then it's very clear, he said they're canceled out. And so this wasn't um, somebody else's sins or just sin in general that went to the cross. It was all of our sins, each of our sins. My sins were nailed to that cross. And so if you can sit there and look at it and say, okay, Jesus somehow knew in advance to grab our sins, take them to the cross, and then cancel them out on our behalf, that's what he's really done. So there, there's no more the disgust of sin working against me because my sin has been canceled out. It's as far as the east is from the west. And so if you could find that cross, you know, and where it was nailed on, uh, you couldn't unless you know how to travel the east to the west, but it really did happen. Those sins, my sins, are gone. And, um, and I don't know, friends, I kind of see my sin as disgusting. I'm so glad that it's gone on. You just... The stuff that I, I'd be so embarrassed 
uh, you know, I don't want people seeing that. I can remember the first time somebody asked me to go to the gum wall in Seattle. I don't know if you've ever been there. Can I just tell you don't? I mean, unless you really like disgusting stuff, this is pretty much as, this is as close as the east is from the west to find sin. So I go to the gum wall, and I already have a, I don't like things that have been in people's mouths. That's already gross. I mean, I see some people let their dogs kiss them, and I almost lose it. I, it's, I, why would you let a dog, anyway. So gum that's been in your mouth, put up all on these, in this alley, and then you're supposed to go down and look at it. And I went and looked at it, and literally it was, it was making me disoriented. And I started thinking, who comes here? Oh, I know who comes here. Little kids in first grade who put their hands under the desk, find old gum, pull it off and chew it. That's the kind of people that would think this is not anything but disgusting. It was so awful to me to actually be there. But that's what, if you can find your sin, it would be that weird. And you can't. It's done. It's gone. It's foreverly removed from having any kind of working ability against us. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. And we could see that he would do that. Now, can you also see in the same type of way that he can come and take you and bring you to a place of dying with him? Because we were buried with him. And he uses this um, form of baptism. And baptism, baptizo here in Greek, means full immersion. So it's the, the picture of going down under the water, coming back up. And the concept is just as you go under the water, you are dying, you are dead. And then as you come back up, you are a new being. You're now alive. And it represents the new resurrected life that a person gets in Christ, just like Jesus's body after it came out of the tomb was not the same uh, confined uh, body to the human one that he inhabited in his first you know, 30 years. And so he was a resurrected, fully God body. So there is the reality that uh, you, those of us who have died with him will also be raised to the newness of life with him. And that's a powerful truth. So he's able to actually then say, okay, Marty, you're going to be buried with me so that I can raise you from the dead. So this isn't a theory. This isn't a concept. Somehow, uh, his death was my death too. And so what I uh, compare it to is him saying, okay, Marty, uh, I'm going to need to make sure that you die so that I can come and live within you. Because I don't want you to have a half Christian life. I want you to have a full new life. Therefore, you're going to have to die so that I can come in and make you new and different. So here's what scripture says. And Paul makes, if you want to do all the research, then go to the book of Romans, the first six chapters, where he talks about the difference between Adam man and then the man in Christ. And so basically at the beginning, as you're an Adam man, you are of a human kind and you're predestined to fall, to sin, to come up short. But when we become new and alive in Christ, we move out of being humankind to God kind, the kind that God can inhabit, the kind that God can be able to bring into that eternal relationship with ourselves. And it says right there, Adam has to die. And Adam will die, but those who are in Christ, the new God kind of a person, will live forever. And so it's almost as if he said, Marty, you have to have the, the death so that the curse of Adam no longer has control over you. And so that's what he's really done for us. So if you can just see it that way. So now my life is not dedicated to the world, not even dedicated to being in the world. You know why? Because I'm in Christ. And so the things of this world, they no longer have that control on me. I've died to that. I don't need that anymore. I just need that right relationship with the Lord Jesus. 
And when that happens, now we're going to get to see the, the closure. Because when you step out of humankind into Godkind, then you can see how the next uh, paragraph fits. It says, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink. And I'm reading um, Colossians chapter 2, now verses 16 through 23. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to festival or new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. And, you, and if you have died with Christ to these elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men? These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement, and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. So you know what's crazy here? If you're living for the world, nothing in the world can even save you. It won't work. They've been at it forever and it doesn't work. Get out of that mindset and get into that new mindset. And it goes this way. If you die to your old life and if you die to yourself, then you're actually allowing the new life of Christ to come in and change everything. So this is how it worked uh, for me. When I came to that point of really wanting to be able to know God, then what I actually had to do is I had to let go of myself to get him in me. And I can remember I was only an eight-year-old kid, and, and a guy shared about who Jesus was, and I agreed with him. I was on a street corner, and I'm young. I had no church background. I didn't know any of this stuff. But I, he just said, here's, here's some things I want to ask you, these questions, kid. Do you believe that God is real? Yeah, I, I really did believe that. Do you believe that he loves you? Yeah, I really believe that. Do you believe that he forgive you for anything that you've done wrong? Yeah, that made sense to me. And then he said, do you believe that he want to live right here? And I paused right then. I thought, yeah, I really do want that to happen. I started with that basic stuff. That's what I knew. It's not all this other stuff that I don't know. What I know is that nothing in this world is able to be able to make any kind of substitute for the fact that I've been created in the image of God and He loves me. That He really does want to forgive me because of that love. And He wants a, a meaningful relationship and He wants to be able to create change in my life. You have to get out of yourself and let Him in. And when you do that, what we're able to do now is wherever I go, friends, guess what? I'm in Christ because He's in me and I'm taking Him to my present situations just like he took my sin to the cross, just like he took me to a burial. That's what he did for me. He took me into his world. Now I'm allowing him to be a part of mine so I can take him into my own. Welcome to what it means to be a change agent of Christ. And then all this other stuff and religious things, self-abasement, self-help, best version of ourselves, blah, 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 can go on. But if we can't live in Christ and we can't make a difference, then it's all kind of fluff. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to literally let him in. And so I'm asking you right now, if you've never let him in, even take down 
take a piece of paper and write down, Christ, I want you in my life. Just write it down. Or you can say it, but make sure you do it. Make a note so that you can keep it. And, and you can say, this is the day that I chose with this very thing I have, I chose to let him in. And then would you say to him this, once you do that, would you say to him, and I invite you to kill anything in me that isn't gonna be of eternal value. I don't even want it. And that's when he, that's when he really starts doing his beautiful work. And so Christians, some of us have done that. Can we do it again? Can we say, Lord, maybe I've been going after things that are counterproductive. And today I'm choosing to go after you and your kingdom, religion won't work. And again, everybody, I bless you in your quest. Thank you in the name of Jesus, amen.